0: On the back bulletin board, second harvest is canceled in January. We'll have it a uh, third Wednesday in February. If you want to sign up, sign up sheets back there. And women's mentoring will be the fifth. With Sister Bernetta still, as far as I know. <laughs> Good to be here. Good to be in God's house. Good to see all of you out. So we think with our video screens, the it doesn't like light colors. So it seems like when we use light colors, it just flips out. So we're gonna have we'll just have to use dark colors, right? Alright. So in our constitution. We have what's called the rules of decorum, and according to our constitution, we're supposed to read those for worship services and business meetings. I think quarterly, every half year, somewhere like there. So I'm going to start with that this morning. Should just take a minute. So according to our constitution, in our worship session, no person should be whispering or laughing excessively during worship. No person shall interrupt another person who is speaking unless it is the pastor or a deacon. No person shall be reading books other than the Bible, newspapers, magazines, etc. during worship unless the teacher or preacher has directed them to another source for reference. All intended should uphold an atmosphere of reverence, worship, and praise. Any behavior that detracts from the service will not be tolerated. The worship service should be decent and orderly and led by the Holy Spirit. Each member's actions, behavior, and testimony should contribute to our purpose of exalting the name of Jesus. Each person shall be respectful of the Lord's name, other worshipers, and the house of God. Good reminders of, of that in our worship service. I just wanted to start with that. Anybody with a special song this morning? Not a... Alright, well I'll start with a a manly story for you. (laughs) You know that's not good,
1: right?
0: Manly man story. So, I don't know, Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember what day it was. I was, we had this weird thing over our window and Amanda absolutely hated it. And it was just a big giant piece of wood, right? So once the other day I'm out in the garage, sawing it up. So when she got home, I showed her my finger, and you know, I'm like, look what I did doing
1: that for you,
0: right? <laughs> I actually did it trying to find a bag of tea. <laughs> How? I have no idea. But finding the thing of tea can be rough, let me tell you, at our household. So Just had to start with that. That was a good one. All right. Um, so, real quick, as far as announcements go, and then Mark hit most of them. Um, we had a discussion last Sunday night, and I think we're going to try to do kind of the small group thing again a little, um, maybe in a little different capacity. And I think was it the David Nick? Is it the 29th that we may have like a small group kickoff type thing on Sunday evening? Is that accurate? Yeah. They're shaking their heads. Yes. Okay. So if you're if you're interested in small group. We may have a sign-up sheet, we may not, I don't, I don't know for sure, but that, that Sunday evening, the 29th, which is the fifth Sunday, we're going to have some type of small group kickoff that evening, so, so prepare for that. I also gave them a couple of good ideas, well, Nick, anyway, I haven't talked to David much late, since we first started talking. Anybody remember the international dinners? I think that's a good idea. We like to eat, right? That's cool. I think we, we need to look at stuff like that. All right. Um... So if you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. And over the the last little bit, going into 2023, we've been on the spiritual journey of maturity and growing. Starting back with the first, the first sermon was on Colossians chapter 3, right Joe? Colossians chapter 3. I have to apologize to Joe. When I asked that last week, he said Colossians 3. I was looking for commitment. But you, you hit it right on the head, Joe. So Colossians chapter 3, it was a New Year's commitment. Committing to Christ. Committing to His church. To His Word. To loving like He loved. And then last week, we were in 1 Peter chapter 2. And what was the title there? See, I said title. Not Scripture. Growing. Growing, There you go, spiritually. As a child of God, we are to continually grow and walk closer and closer to Him and look more and more like Him to the world. That process of sanctification that starts with salvation and ends with salvation, and it also ends in what? Victory. But Peter was describing there how in Christ we're a new creature. We're We're to put off that old creature and put on Christ. And in that, we're supposed to grow day and day and let Him reign and rule in our lives. And we're kind of on that same path a little this week of growing. And I don't know if Ross got it up or not. But it's growing and grace would be the title for this week. So we'll look at a a few different... Hey, there he's got it. Growing and grace. Perfect. I'm, I have trouble with titles, I don't know why. But we'll, we'll look at a couple of different aspects of, of grace and, and how Paul's message of grace here centers on the work of Jesus, that sole source of our salvation. And as Christians, how we are called to allow His work to be sufficient and to be transferred by His Holy Spirit. So we'll, we'll read a few verses there and then we'll get on into the, the message and follow the Lord for a few minutes. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we'll stop right there. So what is the, what is the typical definition that you hear about grace? Sorry, I didn't drink water. Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. That's the typical answer. Unmerited favor. Unmerited meaning what? Undeserved. Undeserved favor. From who? God. Man, you guys are getting it. Jesus. There you go, Missy. Jesus. So a gift from God. There was an evangelist theologian, I think he passed away in 2020, somewhere in there. J.I. Packer. Has anybody ever heard of him? Tony probably and John have. This was kind of his his definition of grace. And I really like this. He suggested that grace is simply God's love demonstrated towards those who deserve the opposite. really liked reading that. It just made you really think. So when thinking about God and his grace, over in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, it is God describing himself to Moses. And he uses those terms, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, those types of things. So the word gracious there means to be considerate or show favor. Describing God as being favorably inclined towards his creation or or us. He wants us to have his favor. Everything he does is gracious for us. He wants wants the best for us. And and, and you know what's amazing is, it wasn't like a decision for him to be gracious at a certain time. He's always gracious. It's his nature. It's amazing to me. He demonstrated that grace in everything He does for us. So then that that definition, the formal definition of grace, is the state of kindness and favor towards someone, often with a focus on a benefit given to the object. So grace is what God does because He's gracious. Every action involves grace. We were even going through Hosea this morning. Children of Israel were bad, but God's grace was sufficient. That word favor, the definition is an act performed out of goodwill, generosity, or mercy. And in this case, all three by God. So in the context here, grace is the free and unmerited favor of God. A gift we do not deserve. Based on what? His goodness, His graciousness, and His mercy. I was trying to think, I'm sure there's millions that you can come up with kind of describing grace. And you know, of course, you go back to the the kids and grandkids. So just say, you know, This week, I said, kids or grandkids or whichever you prefer, if you're good all week, if you listen to mom and dad all week, if you don't get in trouble at school, if you don't get a yellow car casing, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, on Saturday, we'll go fishing, whatever it is. Well, as we all know, they probably broke that 10 minutes after that, right? It's been a horrible week. Rachel called me like, come get these grandkids. Actually did that. And I take them fishing anyway. They didn't deserve it. But why did I take them fishing? Because I love them. Because I want to spend time with them. It's the same thing. The same exact thing. We don't deserve it, but God loves us anyway. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So what does grace do? So we heard the definition of grace, but what does it do? And this is where the Scripture comes into play. Where it talks there about being dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We're bad people. We were born bad. We inherited a sinful nature. That prince of the air there, that's talking about Satan. We were selfish. Aren't we selfish? We're selfish people. Grace reverses that. It takes what we deserve, death, hell, and the grave, and everlasting separation from God, and it flips that around. And God, instead of giving us what we deserve, gives us what we need. Gives us what we need through His Son, Jesus. Because honestly, born, being born into sin we're in trouble. If there's no answer for that, there is absolutely not one thing that Bob Hills can do to make him good enough for heaven. And there's not one thing any of you can do to make you good enough for heaven. The best ver- the best two words in the Bible. And I get emotional every time I think about it, because we don't deserve it. But God Amen. <laughs> But God, I've just been thinking about that all week going through this. But God, rich in mercy, he loved us so much. That's what I don't get. We make salvation so hard. I've been thinking about all week since I've been thinking about grace 2 Corinthians 12 9 now, grace is sufficient for me I absolutely love it because we all struggle well I've had a bad week brother John had a bad week at work well brothers and sisters his grace is sufficient for that oh well, we're having a marriage problem at home his grace is sufficient for that oh the kids have been nuts driving me crazy His grace is sufficient
1: for
0: that. I'm a terrible person. His grace is sufficient for that. His grace is sufficient. But again, we deserve death and hell. We deserve eternal separation from God. But God. But God. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive with Christ. He makes us alive. Brothers and sisters, until we're saved, we don't know how alive we are. We're not alive. We're dead. On our way to the center's hell. And again, you can believe in God. You can come to church every single Sunday of your life. You can sing and shout and Wave your hands or whatever. But if you don't know Jesus and the free pardon of sins, none of it matters. None of it. It's great you're here. It's great you're singing. It's great you're with us. We love you. that relationship with Christ will change absolutely everything. It will change everything. But again, He gave us what we needed, not what we deserved. And that's justifying grace. That's saving grace. And that's the doorway to that new identity in Christ that we talked about last week. Putting on that new man. That's that justifying, saving grace. And again, it reconciles us back to God. In our sins, there was this great separation between us and Him. We couldn't get to Him. We couldn't get to Him. When Jesus was crucified, what happened? That veil of the temple torn too, and it made a way for us to go back to God. It made a way, but it reconciles us back to Him. And the other thing it does is it sets us on that journey of sanctification that we've been talking about. that journey to be more like Him. He renews us. He transforms us from the inside out. His grace delivers us from eternal damnation and gives us everlasting life. Folks, that's something to celebrate. Because we can't do that on our own. It's only through the blood of Christ. That's all. That's the only answer. You, know, you talk, watch Oprah or whatever. Or surely there's multiple ways to heaven. There's one. There's one. That's through the blood of Christ. You know, I was listening to a pastor the other day. And he laid it out like this. He said, you know, a lot of people think there's, there's multiple ways to get to God. And we're, you know, we're bad people because we say there's one way. It's like, he used the example of giving somebody directions to your house and there's only one way to get there. That's what, that's what God did. That's what Jesus did. There's one way to get to heaven and that is through Him. Amen. One way. Not 20. Not 70. You can't do 15 jumping jacks. You can't check off the good list. You can't check off reading your Bible. Oh, I prayed today. I read today. I did this. None of that matters unless you have a relationship with Him. None of it. None of it. Has anybody ever read the, the story of John Newton? Do you know who John Newton is? I know there's Brian talking about it long the way. John, who's John Luke, Brian? He wrote, he wrote Amazing Grace. I'm not going to go into it, but look that up. Look that up when you go home today. The story of that. It's pretty amazing. It really is. And every single one of us can relate to that. But I just wrote down a few, a verse here of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And when you read his story, boy, it puts it into perspective like you wouldn't believe. But again, every single one of us can relate because every single one of us have been lost. Every single one of us. But if you have a relationship with Christ, you're found. And you're on our way to heaven with Him. Like, oh, I'm saved. I'm just going to sit here. Nope. Next part gets to that. Next part gets to that. Where does grace lead? I'm talking about verse 10 here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God saves you for a purpose, for a good work. He doesn't just save you to sit in, in, at home and pray and wait for God to come back. Every single one of us here have a purpose. Teach and preach, Whatever. every single one of us have a purpose. Could be praying, could be talking to people, could be evangelizing, could be helping people, could be going to Second Harvest packing boxes, but you've got to sign up. That's supposed to be a joke. Come on. You guys are a rough craft. But that grace, if you really think about it, it involves two things. One is a gift. What's the other one? A response. God gives us the gift of salvation. Our response is what? Obedience. Yes, Lord. That's us giving Him a gift back for saving us. Get that? Like, our obedience goes back to God because He saved us. We don't do good stuff to get saved. We do things because of that. Mm -hmm. Because of that love in our heart that God changed. That's why we do these things. That's why we go help people. That's why we go to Second Harvest to pack boxes. That's why we show the love of Christ to everyone. It's not to gain His favor. We have his favor already. He sent his only begotten Son to die for us. It don't get no better than that. It don't get any better than that. His grace is sufficient. We're his handiwork. He saves us to go do his work. Whether it's up here, whether it's teaching a class, whether it's a deacon, whether it's talking to somebody, mentoring, you name it. He saves us for a good work. And again, I think we forget that. But it clearly says there, where is workmanship? Created for His purpose. Not our own. We should walk in it. Mm-hmm. We should walk in it. You know, I kind of skipped over a part there that I didn't mean to. Going back, it talks about not boasting. Not boasting. Let me find it. I can't see. I swear I need to start wearing my glasses. <clears throat> Turn around. Huh? Turn around. Oh, there we go. i got to get used to that. Well, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Can't you imagine how it would be if we could do it on our own? Boy, we'd have some of the biggest heads in the world, wouldn't we? Oh, look what I did. People do that already. Look what I did. Look what I got. Look what. It doesn't matter. Unless you have a relationship with Christ, none of that stuff matters. Great. You got a big house. Great. You got a big car. Great. You got a big checking account. When eternity comes, what's that going to do for you? Absolutely nothing. It can be gone like that. It can be gone like that. We can be gone like that. We're not promised the next breath. But we will one of these days. And again, not not bad news, but every one of us sitting here is going to die. Unless Jesus comes back, every single one of us are going to die. Like, oh, that's bad news. Well, it is if you're not a child of God. But if you have that relationship with Him, it changes your whole perspective of everything. I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my family. But I know when I do die, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. And again, I'm not boasting because I did none of it. He saved me. When I was nine years old, He saved me. That still small voice was knocking on my heart. I couldn't tell you much else about it. I couldn't couldn't tell you what He preached that morning. I couldn't. But I can tell you He saved me. Amen. I can't tell you that. I can't explain it. I don't know why, but He does. But I know that salvation is going to lead me home one of these days. But the other thing is, it can be joyous here. It can be joyous here. Again, we're supposed to be sharing that love of Christ here and now. Share the love of God. You know, the other thing I, I I was thinking about grace, the other thing that it does or doesn't do is it doesn't give up. It doesn't give up on people. It'll continue to pursue. Continue to pursue. Why? Because Jesus loved everybody. Not just us here in this church. Not just us in churches, Christians in in churches all over the world. He loved everybody. That's hard to think about. That's hard to imagine. There's some bad folks out there. There's some bad people out there. But He loved them. He died for them. Look what was on the cross by Him. He died for them. Ravish, that got let go. He was one of the worst criminals there were. He died for him. So let's not sit in church and say, oh, they're bad. Let's not do that. And again, there are some bad people, but we're bad people. Mm-hmm. We're bad people. We're bad people. But we're his handiwork. <laughs> If Christians aren't out sharing the good news of Christ and you're only hearing it here, what good is that doing anyone out there? Think about that. If you only hear about Jesus from here, from this area, from this pulpit, what good is it doing anyone outside this church? In your neighborhoods, in your schools, at work. Other than Christy, I'm sure you guys hear it every single day, don't you? At Cedarville. Think about that. We Christians have a purpose. And that's really what this is about today. Grace, purpose, maturity. We have a purpose. Our purpose, it's not just the, the ministers, pastors, whatever you're going to call us. It's all of our purposes to go out and share the good news of Jesus. Every single one of us. If you're a child of God, we are to share His, purpose, or share his good news where to share his good news. Ah, Sorry, my voice is a little messed up today. All part of his gracious plan. Again, why? Because he loved us. He loved every single one of us. Now, Can't you imagine when he's hanging on that cross? I guarantee you he was thinking about every single one of us. That he was dying for. I didn't. I don't deserve that. None of you deserve that. But he did it anyway. When I think of that right there, it stops me in my tracks. And I just say, thank you God, because I didn't deserve any of it. I didn't deserve any of it. us so much. He loved us so much. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. So a couple of questions to the fleet with this morning. First one, have you ever experienced that saving grace? This comes down to you. Have you ever experienced that grace of God? Do you have a relationship with Him? As Sister Debbie said in her prayer, it'd be awesome to see somebody get saved this morning. It'd be awesome for someone to turn their life over to Christ. Say, so here, you know better than I do. You take the winner. I can't get there on my own. You paid the price for me. Awesome. you know again we, we try to make salvation so hard sometimes well what do I got to do to be saved well you got to walk ten paces up here you got to get down on your knees you got to cry your eyes, like, eyes out like Bob does then you have to get up and shout and say amen no you don't all you have to do is believe all you have to do is believe that Jesus died for you he'll take care of everything else He'll take care of transforming you. You know, I, I was watching something the other day. This pastor was talking. Somebody said, well, if I get saved, do I have to stop doing whatever it is? Smoking, drinking, whatever you want to call it. And I liked his answer because we're bad at this. He said, most people will say, yes. If, to get saved, you have to stop doing X. His answer was, No. His answer was, God will help you. That changes everything. That changes absolutely everything. And I don't know who needs to hear this stuff this morning. But God changes everything. That relationship with Christ changes everything. I've seen it. I've been through it. God, get me out of this situation. God, help me to stop doing this. God, help me to stop talking like this. God, help me to stop looking at people like this. We've all done that, haven't we? Mm -hmm. We've all done that. But he said, no. If somebody says, Pastor, do I have to stop doing X to be saved? Absolutely not. God will take you there. Mm -hmm. Christians will say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To be a Christian, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't push, you can't can't play poker,
1: you can't play Euchre, you
0: can't... That's crazy, by the way. I love you. I know I'm crazy. But God will take care of all that. It's like we we try to clean up our act before we come to Christ. That's not the way it works at all. He's still working on me. And I've been saved since I was nine. It's a process. There's still times where I do bad things. I say bad things. I think bad things. Every single one of those. But you know what? His grace is sufficient for me. That's what's awesome. I don't deserve it, but he's saved me anyway. If you're here this morning and you don't have that, you don't know what you're missing. You really don't. And you know, if he's talking to you, Your heart feels like it's going to jump out of your chest. And you're just sitting there holding it like, oh God, let's get this over with. Stop talking, mom. You know what I'm talking about. I've been there. Stop preaching. Just shut up. Do your thing. End it. Not today. Mm -hmm. If He's calling you, you know it. I believe there's He's calling. I can guarantee it. Same thing. This, this is what I relate to. I was sitting right over there. Tony was preaching. I knew he called me to preach. I had been fighting for so long. I made a mistake to tell my man. I probably still didn't But I was miserable. These guys from the it. I was miserable. It will drive you crazy. Because he's not going to let it go. He's not going to let it go. I don't think I'm very good at this at all, but I've thought him. Same thing for you. What's he calling you to do? He calling you to preach? Until you accept that call, you you're going to be miserable. Is he calling you to teach? Is he calling you to go help somewhere? Is he calling you to go sign up on the sheet for second harvest? i got to beat that. in the devil. If you don't know Him this morning, don't leave here without knowing Him, without a relationship with Jesus. Again, it's not about knowing God exists. If that was enough, boy, there would be a whole lot of people out there that are happy this morning. But it's not enough. You have to believe in Christ. You have to believe that Jesus came and died for your sins. And again, we try to make it so hard. We try to make it so hard. Second thing is, if you have accepted that free gift, are you growing there? Are you growing? Last few sermons. Are you committing? Are you getting in this Word? Are you praying? You know, as a pastor, you wouldn't think I would need help knowing how to pray, right? I really struggle with praying. I actually put a reminder on my phone every morning at the same time. Pray. We need that. Or a reminder to read. Or a reminder to meditate. Or a reminder to whatever. We need that. But are you growing in Christ? If you're not growing, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you were saved and you're not growing, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And you need to evaluate that. You need to evaluate that. Alright, you guys are done with me. I can see it. All right, Brother Joe, Brother Mike, would you get a verse of the song? What we'll have everybody saying this morning? My prayer this morning is in either of those situations, you just follow the Lord. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to come up here and cry your eyes out and tell everybody what you've done and whatever. Get right with God this morning in either capacity. It can be at your seat, it can be up here. We'll pray with you. Absolutely. Our church would love to pray with you. We don't do that near enough, actually. But you don't have to. Not too long ago, I prayed with somebody in that room right there and she got saved. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. It's a scary thing to come up here in front of everybody. I'm still getting used to looking at all you weirdos. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I love every one of you. Just pray that you follow the Lord this morning. Brother Joe, go ahead.